The second day of an anti-mandate protest at the Pacific Highway border crossing leads to some arrests. Plus, a, a labor shortage and they can't get adequate staff to run them. So the sooner we find out, the better. Planning for an easing of public health protocols and why this week's announcement could already be too late for some. And to this happen to me was just was honestly just heartbreaking. Students speak out after an anti-vaccine mandate protest at their school takes a hostile turn. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. A webcam capturing the moment this afternoon, officers formed a line and started to move anti-mandate protesters away from the Pacific Highway crossing, border post and towards 4th Avenue. Once they got past the duty-free, the push ending with a line of demonstrations and demonstrators as well as a line of police facing off with vehicles blocking the roadway. Good evening and thanks for joining us. It is the second day demonstrators have managed to effectively shut down one of the busiest commercial border crossings in the country. Paul Johnson has been watching this blockade all weekend and is there again tonight. Paul, what can you tell us? Neetu, what an extraordinary situation is. This is the truck border crossing in South Surrey, one of Western Canada's most vital economic links. Right now, completely shut down, both northbound and southbound. We believe it's been completely closed since about some point late last night. Take a look behind me here and you can see the situation. We have a line of police, a cordon that is preventing the demonstrators from getting any closer to the border. Now let's flip around. Look about 150, 200 meters north. And those are the demonstrators that are still here right now. Possibly about 100, 150 in number. Mostly just camped out and peaceful right now. There appears to be actually a little bit of a truce that's been made between the demonstrators and the RCMP. Very different situation from what it was like midday when the police made their first moves. Protecting our freedom, I suppose. Good angle right there. About 12.30, dozens of Mounties and officers from police forces around the Lower Mainland moved in and began clearing away those blocking the border. How do you guys look at yourselves in the mirror and go to sleep at night? Just good little boys taking orders, wearing your masks. This isn't stopping anything, and every this is for everybody's freedoms. Everyone's, all these police people here have families too. Our tax dollars fund is controlled, so it's all low. This is not like that. You guys need to leave, and like I said, we're asking nicely once, and anyone who refuses is going to be arrested. The operation was methodical and mostly peaceful, though a handful were arrested in the first few minutes. All right, are you leaving? You guys are unbelievable. Hug, Police formed a line and slowly started moving demonstrators back. Hey, guys, come on, relax. Hey, you're all here for us. Explaining that while they were allowed to protest, they're not allowed to do it in a way that disrupts or blocks traffic to the border. What are you doing? But as police were moving the demonstrators back, dozens more walked up 176th Street to bolster the crowd. Freedom! Freedom! And brought the police clearing operation to a standstill. Freedom! 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 
outnumbered 10 to 1 at points, police held their line. And for hours, there was this standoff just north of the border. Where we could hear everything from polite conversation to insults and taunts directed at the police doing their job. So the big question, what is the plan going forward? Police obviously aren't sharing their tactical plans with us, but from observing them today, there are a few things that appear pretty clear. One, the police are going to reopen the truck border crossing here, but they're going to do it peacefully and methodically and on their own time. And if anybody is going to be in their way, blocking the road either on foot or with their car, they're going to get arrested and their car is going to get impounded. Neetu, that's the latest from here. Your reporting is so greatly appreciated. That is Paul Johnson live at the Pacific Highway border crossing. Meanwhile, as part of their ongoing investigation, police say they're investigating the actions of drivers after vehicles allegedly breached RCMP barricades near the Pacific Highway border on Saturday. This video posted to Twitter shows one of the vehicles under investigation. It's a military-style heavy-haul tractor truck readily available for purchase as government surplus. Police say the drivers went the wrong way down 176th Street to reach the border area. And they say it had the potential to harm pedestrians and first responders. They say the behavior will not be tolerated. Similar scenes in southern Ontario where police have partially cleared protesters who had been blocking a road from the Ambassador Bridge. Those demonstrators have been blocking international traffic on the span linking Windsor with Detroit for days. Sean O'Shea has the latest. Just before dawn Sunday morning, a man holds a flag as he looks out on police. Behind him, a small group of protesters who stayed out here all night. The remnants of a group that stopped traffic on the Ambassador Bridge linking Ontario and Michigan over the past week, disrupting the two countries' most important trade link. On Saturday, after police arrived, big rigs and most other vehicles gave up on the blockade. Only a few refused to leave, like these two pickup trucks. Police didn't push them out at first, something business groups said was urgently necessary. These disruptions in Canada have an impact on the United States. That's why the U.S. is paying very close attention to this. This morning, the approach was different. Police weren't asking protesters to leave. They were telling them. Police approached the drivers of the two trucks. When they refused to leave, police arrested them both. At the same time as they ordered reporters recording their operation to leave. Walk that way behind the barricade. I'm walking. Behind the barricade now, please. Further up the roadway, larger trucks were told to leave, and they did without any resistance. The police are uh, puppets of the state. I don't think it's going to end for a while, but it's going to end. Police later fanned out in a private parking lot and ordered everyone to move their vehicles, threatening to tow away those who didn't. Small in number, they just won't go away, causing police to remain on the roadway. Police made several more arrests here this afternoon. Despite their enforcement efforts, more protesters kept showing up. As far as the Ambassador Bridge goes, it remains closed, and authorities say it will only reopen when it's safe to do so. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Windsor, Ontario.
At the center of the trucker convoy protest in Ottawa today, the protective barrier that once surrounded the National War Memorial is still down. On Saturday, a group... On Saturday, a group of men who appeared to be military veterans removed the fence around the memorial. Police could be heard telling protesters it's now their responsibility to protect the monument. The Royal Canadian Legion has condemned the actions to take down the fence, but some veterans have a different opinion. When they put the fence, the situation was much different. Much, much different. We needed to protect that piece. But now it's okay. Like now it's they... okay and it's very peaceful. But when you have crowds and too many people, that's a different thing. The fence was put up after a woman was filmed dancing on the tomb of the unknown soldier during the first weekend of the protest. Police are still investigating that incident. The Office of the Public Service and Procurement Minister, which oversees the site, says it will put back the fence when it's safe to do so. Meantime, Ottawa residents are taking to the streets, forming human blockades along convoy routes around the city. Hundreds turned out to stop a small convoy from making its way into the downtown core, where protesters have been demonstrating for more than two weeks now. Similar counter-protests appeared in other areas of the city, with residents saying they're frustrated in what they call police inaction in containing the convoys. It makes me proud that people are finally doing something. It shows that the small group we have here, it, we're not alone in it. I'm also sad that apparently it took a bunch of random citizens being annoyed to actually stop trucks and not the police doing their job. At this smaller blockade near Ottawa Police Headquarters, trucks pushed through a line of residents trying to stop their progress. No one was injured and police are investigating. A Prince George nightclub ordered to close earlier this week after defying public health orders appears to have opened last night. Yeah, it's unclear if ACDC would approve of this pandemic party. Lambda Cabaret posting two videos on its Facebook page earlier today. One with the caption, Freedom. The other accompanying a post stating that the club was open with no mandates and lots of dancing. Northern Health slapped Lambda with a closure order last Wednesday following an apparent party at the nightclub last weekend, where patrons were dancing and drinking with no masks in sight. Lambda's liquor license was also suspended on Friday for non-compliance. Some of those restrictions to try to stem the spread of COVID-19 will be eased by provincial health officials later this week, likely in time for the Family Day weekend, but too late for businesses hoping to capitalize on Super Bowl Sunday or Valentine's Day. Grace Key reports. Super Bowl Sunday is the biggest event of the year for Shark Club in downtown Vancouver. Fans book a month in advance and weeks of planning goes into this day. We like to start planning this, you know, two, three months in advance. Uh, just ordering decorations, staffing levels, uh, prizing, 
Uh, we want to have as much ready as possible for the big day. Bars and restaurants are hoping this is the last major event under the current gatherings and events order that is set to expire this week. On Tuesday, Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry will be making an announcement on how to move forward. It's not just lifting the public health protocols, right? We need time to plan. We need time to find staff. We need time to bring in proper products. We need time to set up our establishments. So it could take a week or two or more, right? There's some places right now, even under these restrictions, have got a, a labor shortage and they can't get adequate staff to run them. So the sooner we find out, the better. The next big event is St. Patrick's Day on March 17, and bars are anxious to know more about the possible change in health orders so they could start planning. Not knowing, you know, how full our room is going to be or what that walk-in traffic is, yeah, it's, it's, it poses uh, some challenges, but we, like, we hope for the best, and, you know, it's going to be a fun day regardless. Two years into the pandemic, everyone is eager for restrictions to start easing. Like if we're all vaccinated, which we are, yeah. we all do responsible things, it's time to... This is the yeah. thing I don't like. That's, that's my only thing. So I'm pretty comfortable with it. Uh, if we don't have to wear the mask, I'm good with that, you know. Uh, I'll just follow what, the, what comes on. I trust in Bonnie. I go with whatever they're going to tell me to do, and I'm fine with that. I mean, I... I don't think the unvaccinated should get all the same privileges as the vaccinated, but that's their choice and it's that's up to them. Here Happy we go. Super Bowl. Go Bengals! Go Bengals! Grace Key, Global News. Nanaimo RCMP now say a homicide this weekend was the result of a random incident. A man was found dead inside the Buzz Coffee House on Rutherford Road at about 9 o'clock Saturday morning. Another man was arrested inside the business at the time, but police now say there is no connection between the deceased and the man taken into custody. They add there is also no connection between the dead man and the coffee shop. Nanaimo RCMP want to speak with anyone who may have been at the business between 7 and 9 yesterday morning. Victoria police are hoping someone can help identify a man accused of assaulting two store employees last weekend. Police say the suspect approached a business in the Bay Centre Mall on Saturday, February 5th, just before 6 p.m., about a pair of broken headphones. When the worker asked for more information, the suspect suddenly attacked. When a second employee tried to intervene, police say they were threatened and headbutted. The suspect, a Caucasian man wearing a red jacket with black accents and an unbuttoned white-collared shirt over a blue shirt with white buttons on the front, fled the store. Vancouver police want to speak with a cyclist who may have been targeted in an attempted attack in downtown Vancouver recently. VPD says a witness came forward after seeing a man allegedly trying to slash a cyclist with a knife near Robson and Jervis at about 4 o'clock Friday afternoon. The cyclist did not remain in the area and did not report the incident to police. Officers later arrested a man but can't recommend charges unless the victim comes forward. So they're asking for the cyclist to give them a call. And still ahead, students speaking out about racist remarks. The fact that they came to our school and were saying like racist like statements. How a demonstration outside this Okanagan school turned into a viral confrontation caught on camera. Plus, the community was very They wanted something to be done. Why this group is calling out a BC business for cultural appropriation in advertising. 
Well, the ongoing protests against vaccine mandates spilled onto the grounds of a high school in Oliver on Friday. And the ensuing melee, a woman was caught on camera hurling racist insults at students. Yasmin Gandam hears from some of the students involved. A video now going viral on social media shows two Punjabi high school girls victim to racist insults. It was me and another friend of mine who was also um, Punjabi as well. And she was pointing at us and telling us to go home. Like, do you, like in the video, you can hear her say, like, I deserve to be in this country. Do you implying that, like, we don't belong in this country because of the color of her skin? We've agreed not to identify the student who says she fears for her safety after the Friday afternoon confrontation. The video was taken after protesters blocked the drop-off zone at Southern Okanagan Secondary School and the girls were waiting to get picked up. So we all go like walk up to get like picked up um, and these protesters like start engaging with us. And, you know, they start talking to us. Uh, they start telling us to like take off our masks and uh, try to influence us about like their beliefs about like the mandate. Just straight blatant racism to my face was just like just so hurtful and I was just so like I'm so kind of broken inside because I never thought that this would happen right to my face because when my parents came here 30 years ago they wanted a better life. The principal of the school confirmed to Global News she is aware of the incident and will be debriefing with students on Monday. Meanwhile, Oliver RCMP say the incident must have happened after RCMP left, but it will be looked into further. RCMP calling the incident unsettling, and if criminal charges are warranted, they will be pursued. There should never be a moment where you think this is a good thing to say. So there should definitely be a lot of accountability and some consequences for her. The students all raising their voice to defend their friend. The fact that they came to our school... And we're saying like racist, like statements to minors is just like, like was shocking to me. Yasmin Kantum, Global News. A 65-year-old Calgary man is dead after a skiing incident at the Fernie Ski Resort this weekend. RCMP say a man hit an icy patch while skiing at the resort Saturday afternoon, lost control and crashed into a tree. He later died in hospital and an investigation is underway. Members of the Hindu community rallied in Surrey today calling on a business to stop using the image of a Hindu deity in its corporate branding. The United Hindu Forum is calling out the adult coaching company for using inappropriate language alongside a photo of Lord Ganesha, a deity with an elephant head that's known as the Hindu god of wealth, sciences, knowledge, wisdom and prosperity. They say they approached the business to remove the offending image but were rebuffed. So now they're turning to politicians for help. We want to approach all the political leaders and municipal leaders and uh, provincial leaders to do something, to make a law something like that. It was a long process and this is where we are at, where we realize that we need to garner, uh, first we need to spread awareness of the issue and then we need to garner support. It's not just about the Hindu religion, today it has happened with us, tomorrow it could happen with any other religion. Now, we reached out to the company, which we won't name due to a vulgarity in the title for comment, but no one responded by deadline. And still ahead, a stranger willing to help. 
How do you say thank you to someone who's given you life? How a Prince George man happened upon what would become a written assurance for the gift of life. And later. It's been the most difficult and challenging time of this company's uh, history. How the owner of a BC aerospace company is learning to play a popular board game to try and keep his business afloat. A chance encounter in Dawson Creek several years ago has led to a life-saving opportunity for a Prince George couple. The man they met from Tumblr Ridge is facing a terminal diagnosis, but is offering to donate the gift of life as his dying wish. Our report is from CKPG News. Pat and Lynette Sheely were working in a furniture store in Dawson Creek while silently battling with Pat's health issues. About six years ago, he was diagnosed with kidney disease. His kidney disease turned into kidney failure. One day they met a man named Terry from Tumblr Ridge who was looking to buy a new couch. He was also dealing with his own health issues. They told me on the day they said I had motor neuron that uh, I basically had two to three years left to live. Organ donation wasn't even thought of before Terry met the Sheelys, but now his determination to help Pat became his dying wish. He's even put them in his will. They can't take them until I'm dead, apparently, because you're not allowed uh, death by donation. I've never been in somebody's <laughs> well with a set of kidneys. <laughs> he, he did. He actually put his kidneys in his will to so Pat. So they, they can never <laughs> say that they're not mine. Terry is the master of his own destiny, so to speak. He has opted to take part in the doctor-assisted suicide so that he can choose when to go and so his family doesn't have to see him deteriorate. I'll know when, I guess. <laughs> fight it as much as I can. Nobody wants to die, right? Testing will happen closer to the end date to see if they are a match. Now being the good thing is in the program of being a kidney donor in Canada, if you find a donor uh, that is not a match for yourself, that will go to somebody else and then they will find a match for you. He was never going to be an organ donor at all and now he's going to be donating his kidneys and his liver. There is a GoFundMe set up to help Terry as he heads into his final days. How do you say thank you to someone who's giving you life? Randy Marie Adams, CKPG News. Pain at the pump for many drivers this weekend as gas prices hit a record high in Metro Vancouver. At many stations, the price hit 180.9 cents a litre today. Dan McTagg with Canadians for Affordable Energy has said prices could continue to climb this week. He says it's the taxes on gas, mainly the so-called green taxes, that keep increasing, forcing overall prices up. He also says the rise could impact food costs. The previous record was 176.9 cents a litre, set just last month. I'm on extra empty right now. I have no choice for the stupid prices. I think the prices are getting astronomical, especially for a country that has so much gas and oil reserves. And it's just going to encourage people to buy electric cars and uh, get to where we want to go faster, I guess. Coming up next, pushing for a different perspective. I have a fresh set of eyes for this. A teenage ski patroller's pitch for other young people to follow her path. Well, Deborah Sparrow's art is well known in Vancouver and now the local Coast Salish master weaver's work is being highlighted on BC Place in an unprecedented move. The Musqueam Weaver's unique design is headlining the BC Place Northern Lights display, which runs until February 27th. 
As part of the Vancouver Mural Festival's Blanketing the City, Lighting the Way project, the stadium's roof show will mark the first time a Vancouver Coast Salish master weaver has used large-scale programmable lighting on building facades to share Indigenous designs. At eight stories tall, Sparrow's 2019 mural at East 12th and Kingsway is the largest piece of public art by an artist from one of Vancouver's three host nations. In 2018, Sparrow painted this mural on two pillars of the Granville Street Bridge during Granville Island's Art Smash event. Beautiful. As is that site behind you, we bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the forecast. Hopefully more of that sunshine on the way. Yeah, we've had beautiful conditions right throughout the weekend. We've got some sunshine in the mix, and this great shot was captured at English Bay and the barge. Our very own Sharon Bates, who works as an editor and camera, captured this through the day today. A spectacular out there. It looks like spring hopefully is on its way early. A gorgeous shot. Now, here's what we're seeing right now. Temperatures are currently sitting at around 6 degrees. We've got a light wind northerly at 6 kilometers per hour. It's as we get in late this evening and overnight, though, we've got a bit of a blip in the forecast. We're actually tracking rain into the morning hours for Monday, so a heads up. A soggy start. It should dissipate and taper off, though. By the afternoon, it'll just be a 30% chance of a shower. Temperatures will be up to 8 to go tomorrow. We've got winds anywhere between 20, but near the strait tomorrow, breezy at times with gusts or winds sustained up to 40 kilometers per hour. Now, the moisture is going to taper off along the north and central coast, and that weather maker is working its way along the southern half of the province. So overnight and for the morning hours, that's we'll see that rain moving in all areas along the south coast and areas in towards the interior will be looking at snowfall. Whistler will be included within that and most of the mountain passes we are going to see the snow developing in the morning and then continuing throughout the afternoon. If you are traveling along the mountain passes, check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Sea to sky as well as the Kootenai Pass 2 and up to 4 centimeters for tomorrow. The Coquihalla with up to 5. The Connector as well as the Rogers Pass seeing that range between four and up to eight centimeters. Drier conditions along the north coast, a nice break from all the wet weather we've been tracking. Much of the central interior could be rain mixed with wet snow. For the southern interior, the early morning hours, two and up to four centimeters is possible and then changing over to rain and that chance for some showers. Much of the south coast will be a soggy start to the morning, easing off. Isolated showers will hopefully see some breaks in there for tomorrow. Highs will be up to eight degrees. Bit of drizzle in the mix for a Tuesday and then brightening up but a pretty good-looking forecast on Wednesday, partly cloudy and a high of 8. Nithu? It is indeed. All right, thanks, Yvonne. A BC teen is spearheading an effort to revive junior ski patrols across Canada. The Canadian Ski Patrol staff ski hills across the country, mostly with volunteers age 18 and older. That's until Emily Keller entered the game. Kristen Robinson reports. There's still a bit of tree debris down there. Manning Park Ski Patrol reinvigorated with youth power. We got that clear this morning. I have a fresh set of eyes for this. As a full member, Emily Keller not only earned her badge, she also initiated it, writing to the Canadian Ski Patrol executive to see if a 16-year-old could make the cut. With Manning Park Resort on board, she completed on-hill and advanced first aid training. She aced it and did better than some of the adults. Keller, now the first junior ski patroller on the mountain, in more than three decades. To be able to actually finally be a part of it, it feels so amazing. Emily is an unstoppable force, and with her enthusiasm, we made it happen. Keller is no stranger to these slopes. Hitting the hill at age two and a half with her parents, 
who also served with the Canadian Ski Patrol. I remember you know, saying, maybe I was four or five years old, to anyone who would listen, I'm going to become a ski patroller as soon as I turn 16. Permission now to connect with young people. She understands firsthand how peer pressure influences poor choices and believes education can make a difference. I started noticing my peers getting injured from skiing out of bounds, um, ducking the rope line, those kind of things. I realized that you know this is something that I think that if they knew better, they would do better. Our uh, pool of people who we have for patrol has decreased over the years, and so if we get some of the young people in there, they have a better chance of coming and sticking around. If we can get youth involved, we're building a future for the ski patrol and for the mountains. After reaching her youth peak, Keller is still pushing the boundaries, hoping the junior patrol program will expand beyond Manning Park. I do truly believe that young people can change the world. <laughs> Kristen Robinson, Global News. Fantastic initiative. All right, Barry is here on this Super Bowl Sunday with a preview of what is ahead. Mm-hmm, well... You said it. It's the Super Bowl. It's a close game between the Bengals and Rams. Not the most scintillating Super Bowl we've ever seen, but a scene, but it's coming down to the wire. So I'll have highlights of that, show you a little bit of the halftime entertainment as well. All coming up. Just going to say that's what I'm looking forward to. Thanks so much, Barry. Also ahead, a BC-based Indigenous producer's movie milestone. I was just very, very surprised, and, and I did, I did, I swear to God, I did cry. How the residential school and child welfare documentary with BC Connections is earning accolades internationally. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue. Flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. A recently released documentary about Indigenous children in residential schools, which we first told you about in September, has now won an international award. The recognition comes ahead of a special Valentine's Day screening of the For Love film here in B.C., with proceeds going towards youth programs and services. I was just very, very surprised, and, and I did, I did, I swear to God, I did cry. Film producer Mary T.G.'s tears of joy forming after her documentary For Love got an international award. We just won Best Documentary in the States. At the Mammoth Film Festival, you know, you had famous actors, like, literally crying. And it, it's, it's so unique because I, I think it's, it's because it's timely, but it really, really delves into, you know, why uh, our people are suffering. We barely know who we are and we don't know where we come from. L.A.-based co-producer and director Matt Smiley, who's in B.C. for the screening, says the film, narrated by Shania Twain, Children were physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. Is meant to bring more global attention to the link between Canada's residential schools and the present-day problems in the child welfare system. Even if I know I'm doing the right things, I still am constantly afraid of the fear that someone could even take my kid. And now you can see it too because the Valentine's Day screening at Cineplex Theatre in Prince George is open to everyone through a virtual link. February 14th is pretty symbolic because it is the day of love, but really there is, um, there's been a movement that's been called Have a Heart Day, and that's really this is the love letter for the children. With thousands gathering in the nation's capital every year, Have a Heart Day is a youth-led reconciliation movement, and Monday also marks its 10th year. All the proceeds from this virtual showing and the physical showing will go towards uh, Shania Kids Can, the Skyzet Youth Center, and different youth activities. 
And this momentum, she says, comes at a pivotal time. It truly is a, a new day in Canada, I, I do believe. With the recent announcement about unmarked burials at the Williams Lake First Nation and a landmark $40 billion federal agreement in principle for Indigenous child welfare, which she helped lead. February 23rd, it'll, it will have been 15 years since we launched the initial Canadian Human Rights Tribunal um, court case. For failing them, so profound. The majority of elders makes you want to think it makes you want to do something to right the wrongs of the past but at the same time you want to celebrate with us because it's so beautiful especially tg says with more people than ever before wanting to be a part of the long and ongoing fight for justice and awareness and we understand these stories may be triggering for some of our viewers, and there is support available for survivors and their families. The number is toll-free and available 24 hours a day. It is 1-800-721-0066. Time now for a break, but on the other side, Barry's back with the full sports cast and later. The last two years, uh, just constant bobbing and weaving and trying to get through it. The unexpected pandemic pivot for this BC aerospace business now focused on another type of production. The Variety Show of Hearts returns to Global BC for three days. Tune into Global BC on February 24th and 25th and meet some of the incredible children you've helped in 2021. Then don't miss the Show of Hearts telethon on February 26th, featuring special guests David Foster, Catherine McPhee, and Colin James. The Early Bird RV Show and Sale is back after a two-year hiatus. Head to Abbotsford Stradex to see all the newest and best RV models. Listen to informative seminars, see dealer displays, and more. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. Get your 2022 Pink Shirt Day merchandise now at London Drugs. All right, Barry's here for sports, and there is no denying that all those football fans out there have been flipping between the news hour and, of course, the Super Bowl. I think, I I like think they're with us, I would think. <laughs> yes. The football game will always be there, but this one chance with us. Yeah. Thanks, Neithu. Uh, last year, Tom Brady and the Bucks won the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Today, the L.A. Rams were hoping to do the same thing. The Rams franchise did win a Super Bowl in 1999 when they were based in St. Louis, but never while based in Los Angeles. So with the game in L.A., you definitely have to do things Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to say, finally, it is time for the Super Dwayne The Rock Johnson getting things started. Play offenses Rams offense off to a great start as well. Matthew Stafford to Odell Beckham Jr. Two players who were not with the Rams last season. They've made big deals. They are all in for a Super Bowl this year. 7-0 L.A. Joe Burrow and the Bengals can put up some points too. Burrow going deep to Jamar Chase. The rookie with a fantastic one-handed catch. Led to a Cincinnati field goal. 7-3 after one. Second quarter, L.A. back for more, and who else but Cooper Cup always gets open. They know they're throwing to him, but he always gets open 11 yards out. They missed the extra point. That was big, 13-3 Rams. Bengals answer, little razzle-dazzle. Joe Mixon takes the pitch. Instead of running, throws it, finds T. Higgins for the touchdown. First time Mixon's ever thrown a pass in the NFL. Pretty good to do it in a Super Bowl. 
Beckham Jr., meanwhile, running a route, hurts his left knee, the same knee he tore the ACL in a couple of years ago against the Bengals when he played for Cleveland. He did not return. Halftime entertainment, it was a who's who of hip-hop and rappers. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, and Eminem. Fantastic performance, as always. Back to football. Bengals opening play the third quarter. T. Higgins is going to elevate and make the catch and take it all the way. A 75-yard touchdown, although on the replay, Higgins definitely got away with a push-off and a face mask on defensive back Jalen Ramsey, but the touchdown stands. It's 20-16, to very late in the fourth for the Bengals. Well, ever since he turned pro in 2017, Felix Auger-Aliassime has always had that tag of being one of the next great players in tennis. And now at age 21, he is ranked ninth in the world. He's made deep runs into grand slams. But up until today, Felix was a troubling 0 for 8 in ATP tournament finals. He'd actually not even won a set in any of those finals. But today in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, Felix put it all together. You could see it coming with his standout play at the Aussie Open. And today he put all that skill and talent and determination together to win his first ever title. Felix walking in with an air of confidence these days has never played better, taking on world number four and top seed in this tournament, Stefano Tsitsipas of Greece. Felix showed early he was in charge, got an early break and just peppered Tsitsipas with punishing ground strokes. The overhead smash there took the opening set 6-4. Felix's return game has really grown this year. Saw that against Medvedev in the Aussie Open. Crushes the return winner here. Gets the early break to go up 2-1 uh, or go up 1-11 rather. Felix's mom in the stands to share what would be a very special day. Felix pretty much one of the best uh, athletes on tour now backing it up with crafting points. Watch this. The short backswing two-fisted uh, passing shot down the line goes up 3-1 and now to serve it out. No signs of nerves whatsoever. Felix's serving has been top-notch. Another great point. We'll rip the forehand winner there and that will set up Match point, and Tsitsipas will eventually pull the forehand wide. And here it is. Felix finally is a winner on the ATP Tour. Don't forget he also won the ATP Cup team competition last month, so the winning is starting to come. Straight sets over Tsitsipas, 6-4, 6-2. And you would think the first of many victories for Felix. Yeah, it's been uh, not the, the smoothest road since my first final three years ago. So it's a uh, it's an amazing day for me to to get this first title, and especially here. Uh, actually, I played my first ATP main draw here thanks to Richard for the wall card uh, a couple of years ago. So I guess uh, it's right to, that I get my first title here. It's great that my mom is here as well to win me to see me win my first uh, title. It's special, and yeah, it's uh, the happiest day of my of my career. And uh, hopefully, you know, this is the first of uh, of many to come. So. Thank you, and I'll see you next year. Thank you. The Canucks have a few days before their next game Thursday night in San Jose. Quinn Hughes will join the team and play. He has missed the last week in COVID protocol. He's been in the United States the entire time. It's unclear if he'll be able or eligible to come back with the team after the San Jose game or if he'll have to go into isolation up in Canada. We will find out in the coming days, but that would be unfortunate if he would have to miss more games because he is feeling just fine. Well, after last night's 3-2 win over the Leafs, head coach Bruce Boudreaux introduced what he hopes 
will be a long-standing tradition in the Canucks locker room. He had a wrestling-style championship belt made that will be awarded to a deserving player after each win. Yuho Lamico got it for being perfect in the face-off circle and scoring the game-winning goal. Here's Bruce on how the belt idea came about. The genesis was, quite frankly, was my son um, in Fort Wayne in the coast, and he uh, he did it first, and... Um, I saw the reaction of the team. It was, uh, it was at the end of last year, and uh, or and uh, I thought this would be great if I ever got back and nobody was doing anything and and nobody had done anything on our team with that. So uh, I phoned him up and I said, "Can you, we order one of those belts?" And I told him what we'd won on it, and he did it. and And uh, it took a while because of the pandemic to get here. But uh, it got here. I just thought it's something that might bring the team closer. And, uh, and it looked really cool. And, uh, and so it was fun that way. And that's how it grew. And I was so nervous. I, I got it the other day, and I didn't want to keep it in my office. I wanted to get rid of it and so some of the players could have it. And um, uh, so uh, I wanted to win as quick as possible. And we got it, which made it all worthwhile. Early this morning, Team Canada's men taking on China in Beijing. Canada coming off a 4-2 loss to the U.S. But a couple of Port Moody guys doing the job for Canada. Adam Tambellini, whose dad Steve played for Canada at the 88 Olympics in Calgary, scores five-hole. And then 19-year-old Kent Johnson, the fifth overall pick by Columbus last year, shows off that world-class shot. 5 nothing Canada final. They finish second in their group, so they'll play China again. 5 a.m. Tuesday, they should win that and advance to the quarters against Sweden. The latest medal standings, Canada got a bronze in short tracks. We have nine bronzes now, most of any country, 14 overall medals. And final round of the WM Phoenix Open, where Sam Riders uh, sent the 16th hole into a frenzy with a hole-in-one Saturday. Today, Carlos Ortiz wants to get in on some of that love, playing 178 yards today. 50 yards further than yesterday, but the same result. He gets the ace, more beer throwing and mayhem from the crowd. The legend continues to grow at this tournament. There is absolutely nothing else like it on the PGA Tour. PGA rookie Sahith Tagala was tied for the lead at the short par 4 17th. Pulls driver looking to knock it on the green, but gets a really hard kick to the left. And this one will end up in the water. Tough break for Thagala, who bogeyed that hole and ended up tied for third. A bit of a bad bounce there. Tough break. It went to a playoff between Scotty Scheffler and Patrick Cantley. Third extra hole. Scheffler from about 25 feet. Online, does it have enough? Just enough. Drops in for the birdie. Scheffler all pumped up. Now Cantley has to make his putt to send it to a fourth playoff hole. But his effort slides by, and Scotty Scheffler wins for the first time on the PGA Tour. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin had a tough day. Three over 74, fell from 7th to finish 26th. And Vancouver Whitecaps wrapping up their first week of training in San Diego last night against the USL's San Diego Loyal. 83rd minute, Michael Baldissimo to Christian Gutierrez. His cross finished nicely by Giovanni Aguilar. Aguilar just coming on as a... That was the only goal. 1-0 the final Vancouver. They play the LA Galaxy on Wednesday, and then they come home Saturday at BC Place. They'll play their white-blue match. And that is it for sports. Back to you. All right. Thanks so much, Barry. And we'll be right back with a BC Aerospace business's surprising shift to survive.
businesses have had to pivot in order to survive during this pandemic. And perhaps no firm has been demonstrating that more than a Langley Aerospace company. As Jay Durant tells us in tonight's This is BC, Kodiak Aerospace has now turned to a card game of all things to help keep the business afloat. The machines are operational again at Kodiak Aerospace. Orders for airplane parts came to a crashing halt during the pandemic. So the company came up with a new state-of-the-art idea. We highly refine the edges. We are very precise holes. We've used metal accessories. Kodiak is now cranking out cribbage boards. And employees embraced the idea after not having much to do the last couple of years. A couple of guys were like, well, we're making what? And it's like, well, no, this is what we're doing. You know, it's going to keep us busy, and I think it could go real well. Anything that keeps me working is great, and I, I enjoy the design process. With over $5 million worth of machinery in the shop, Kodiak is used to making more than 80,000 parts a year. So it simply oscillates up to close the bin and down to open the bin. That number dropped to 1,000 in 2021. It's been the most difficult and challenging time of this company's uh, history the last two years. Uh, just constant bobbing and weaving and trying to get through it. The crib boards are a way to help stay afloat for now. With the exception of one employee, Kodiak has been able to keep all of its staff. But it's a scramble trying to come up with new ideas because it could be years before full production of airplane parts resumes. Things like uh, new types of guitar stands and... Uh, uh, other types of table trays and I mean essentially anything out of aluminum or steel or titanium we can make. We're all learning a few new things at the same time which everybody enjoys. They're $100 with the option for custom engraving. It's a high-end board for the serious crib player. Like general manager Michelle who first pitched any the idea. Any idea how to play? I have no idea. No. The next step for the owner of crib board manufacturer Kodiak Aerospace is so learning how to actually play the game. She is an avid crib player so you know I'm probably gonna get my butt given to me a few times but it is what it is. Ooh. Oh there we go yeah. So face head. cards can help. Of course I'm the boss. Jay Durant Global News. <laughs> If you or someone you know has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people should know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Another great story and a pretty great forecast leading into the week, Yvonne. Yeah, so it'll just be a little bit of a blip for tomorrow morning. It's late evening, overnight, that we'll have that rain picking up. Should taper off and then a few breaks in there with just a chance of showers for the afternoon. Temperatures pleasant over the next few. Highs between 7, 8 degrees, maybe towards the end of the week by 9. And then a few bright spots in there, for example, on Wednesday getting up to 8. All right, and it sounds like things are still down to the wire for the Super Bowl, Barry. Mm -hmm. Rams by three with a minute to go. Ooh. Highlights at 11. All right, <laughs> and Krista Dow will be here at 11 as well. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Have a great night.